Hey you guys and welcome to another episode of The Getty. Yes, I said it, another episode of The Getty. What? <laughs> we really out here. I'm really doing a podcast. <laughs> um, so the world is gone into chaos. My life is in disarray. And one of the things, definitely not the most important thing, um, Lady Gaga released her new album and I, my faith was restored. I was reminded just why I love Lady Gaga so much. She makes music that I can relate to on such a personal level. And I feel like sometimes pop music is undermined because, oh, it's got a catchy hook and may not be deep. No, some of these lyrics are deep. And because of that, I just want to take this moment to shout out all the destructive people that may be listening to this. And I'm not talking about, oh, I'm so destructive. I bite my nails occasionally. No, (laughs) I'm talking about real destructive habits, habits that ruin friendships, change family dynamics, habits that mess up the blessings, mess up all the hard work you put in. And I'm more specifically talking to people that have destructive habits, know the consequences and still do it regardless. I am on the same struggle bus with you. I, I might even be your conductor. I just want to take this moment to say you are not alone. <laughs> so with that being said, yeah, let's get started with this part. beginning i like usual do not have an intro so ruby your little beady eyes get the fuck out of here <laughs> so, okay i think i'm going to be doing the intros by myself because i promise you guys i have to record it a bazillion times over and over again like this shit is hard so we're gonna skip over that and go wait pk do you feel I don't know. Do you feel that that chill in the air? That oh yes, I feel that chill in the air. <laughs> I wonder what time it is, Rizzy. Do you I want to what chew. time? <laughs> I don't know. What time is it? <laughs> well, I think it's time for our icebreakers. Yeah, get excited. Yes. <laughs> like everyone knows i love astrology so the most important question i think in a relationship and a friendship is always what's your sign so the first question for this icebreaker is How would people describe you and what's your sign? Brianna. Okay. I think people would describe me as shy, but also very comfortable once I get to know you. So like very loud once I get to know you, but very quiet when I don't know you at all. 
And um, my sign is Aquarius, so people would describe me as like very independent and solo driven. Like I do a lot of things by myself (laughs) and kind of eccentric. And then also like you would try to put me in a box, but I purposely try not to fit in a certain box because of just the hell of it. Cause I just don't want to be in that box. So yeah, that's me. (laughs) Ruby. Okay. So, um, People would describe me as standoffish. Um, they would also say, really? who, who is describing you as standoffish? Okay. Standoffish? <laughs> Somebody described me as standoffish. So One person? I'm, I'm telling you people describe me as. I'm not saying that this is who I am. <laughs> I mean, this, is what, okay. this, is not, this is not the question <laughs> okay i'm sorry i came for you you can finish <laughs> so okay people would describe me as standoffish they'd also describe me as um what's it called um shy as well but um <laughs> describe me as standoffish that also describe me as shy but um I think that as well as on the other side people would also describe me as very like um um I, I like I'm fun I like a good time etc but to I'm also very um controlled in my environment but it takes a certain it takes my people a level of comfortability to actually get me to a certain level or an extent. So not a lot of people um, would say that I know who Ruru or Ruzi is or et cetera. They wouldn't just, they wouldn't outright say they know me, but they would say that they've more experienced me from that kind of extent. But for an person, I, um, what's it called? I have a friendship. And yeah, I think that at the end of the day, I can be stubborn. But my stubborn is my stubbornness is an expression of my love. That's the Taurus in you. <laughs> okay, you know what? I am officially done. Okay. <laughs> Called banter. I'm feeding off what you're saying. <laughs> have been described as standoffish people even say i don't even hot that's what people have said to my face so i get shocked as well (laughs) (laughs) um buddy okay so i would say you know people have a i get a great reception from people really you know i'm joking oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) I would say people see me as outspoken, as like fun and um, like a people's person. And then also very like strong type of vibe. 
and I am a Scorpio. I think it's very obvious. I'm very intense. <laughs> so hundred <laughs> percent. You know when I knew that Mbali's Scorpioness was so real? I hadn't spoken to Mbali for a while. I call her on her birthday. <laughs> hey Mbali, happy birthday. Mbali doesn't respond to the happy birthday. She just goes, you know what? Like I've been going through da-da-da-da-da, just like, going 100%. And I was like, did you did you hear the part where I said happy birthday? <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I die for it. PK, <laughs> how would people describe you? Um, I think they'd possibly describe me as like uh, also a little bit like um, standoffish, and they don't really possibly know me. But just from what they see, they would assume that like. I'm a bit of a bitch and maybe I'm rather mean and like hard. Um, really? And just difficult to crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just because that's just because like I don't I don't feel the need to like entertain something sometimes. None I don't feel the need all. to like None smile if there's no reason for me to be smiling. Like if I'm not feeling like it's not <laughs> it's like not a it's not a thing. It's just like I'm, I'll smile and I'll laugh when I feel like I like when the feeling comes. Otherwise, like don't tell me about my face or like you know, oh you should behave this way. Like nah. And yeah, I'm also a Scorpio. So similar to Bali, but also yeah, different within our Scorpionness. <laughs> I 100% agree with that because I feel like in the beginning, like I just couldn't read you. I didn't know if you thought I was funny or not because oh, like, interesting. some things would be a hit, some things would be a miss. <laughs> Are we still like, like, I don't know. Just like your joke, Lou. She was not impressed. No, not at all. Miss. <laughs> Maybe I was also trying to figure you out, though. So, like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? That's just authenticity. Look where we are now. Look at where we are. So, um, now that we've got our icebreakers out the way, we're going to go oh, into... Good. How about you? Oh, that's oh. beautiful. <laughs> well, I think people describe me... I think I'm fun. I think people describe me as fun, and I chaotic like <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna get <laughs> it really is like just a roller coaster you never know what you can mm -hmm. so I, I accept that and I'm a Sagittarius like I like adventure I seek knowledge I am, I do not like restraints. I don't like feeling confined, suffocated. And when I get to that point, I rebel. So just like textbook <laughs> Sagittarius. <laughs> I like the, the self-awareness you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> gotcha. Never have I ever lived with a man except for my father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, Brianna's got the 
I was liking that because I was like, I, I want to hear what you Stop with. sending out this weekly memo. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> okay. Okay. Never have I ever, um, what's it called, lived with my partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or lived with your boyfriend. Oh, no. Sorry. We're saying that oh. we have. Oh, wait, no. I thought we were saying we have. Oh, oh yes. If we have, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Again. Again. Bali, do you again. want to do one? Um, never have I ever kissed a girl. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Cool. Yeah, nice. someone tell a story. <laughs> someone else's turn to tell a story. No, maybe Lou, you can share. <laughs> Oh yeah, because I have an over head. Okay. Why were you so <laughs> I think like every time I approach, like I don't know, I just feel like I see myself as this open person, like very easygoing, like I don't know. And I come from the belief that you can't say that you're not something unless you've tried it. Like people that say that, oh, they're straight with absolute conviction but they haven't tried what's out there that doesn't seem valid to me so like i don't know i just wanted to check it out (laughs) see if i was to see if i was nimble i think i was too much in my head to like really enjoy the moment because i'm like is this a, does this make me what I think oh, it you is? Like, it, like did you like happening? it? And also, why did you do it? Did you do it because you were like, mm. oh, I just want to try this out. Did you do it because you were like, oh, she's hot? Like, what did it stem from? No, it really was from a place of like, I wonder if I'm as open as uh, I think I am. And it was just like, if I was that person. But then like, I was speaking to another friend about it. And she was essentially saying, cause like the way I explained my first experience was like kissing someone that I had no like feelings for. It was just like a kiss. So like my first experience with another girl was just like a kiss to me. Like it didn't move me in a different way. Mm-hmm. It didn't make, I didn't rep- like hate the situation. I didn't love the situation. I'm just like, I did that. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that make me since I'm not on either side? <laughs> Experimental, Lou. Experimental. Don't don't deep dive. Yeah, I, 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 okay. literally. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, you're. And you, you Guys, honestly, mine was so like unexciting. Um, I was just in university. <laughs> we were at the stupid like white club, dancing on fucking benches and things. Um, I was in like first year. I kissed someone that I know from high school as a joke, and like, oh, yeah. That was it. I was just curious and the moment arose. So it like we did it, but there was nothing like I intended to get out of it apart from being like, oh, I wonder what this is like. You know what I mean? And I was yeah. completely like, okay, underwhelmed. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, did you like it though? I didn't. It was just like, I'm just like, like no, <laughs> I was indifferent. Do you know what? I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. I was just like, mm. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Yeah.
So <laughs> our first tweet is one that I kind of found interesting because literally I think about this all the time. So the first part is from Fry Bread Power. Shout out to that name one more time. And the tweet goes, part of my reason millennials get infit, infan, infantilized, infant, infant, basically made to seem like <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Are we done? <laughs> okay, so we'll start that again. The tweet reads, part of the reason millennials get treated like infants by generation (laughs) is because many milestones and status symbols of adult success, owning a house, having a full-time career, affording kids retirement are now completely unattainable to an entire generation of people. And another response to that tweet is, boomers always say millennials are spoiled and millennials respond to that as in should i pay rent or should i eat that honestly doesn't come across as well reading it so i think i'm gonna post it somewhere but yeah buddy do you want to tackle this one um i didn't see she left i didn't see she left So I feel like um, we, I get why, I get why, I mean, if you even just listen to that statement, those are not real problems, you know, and I think that um, we, we lose an opportunity to gain maturity. So just because you're growing doesn't mean you're mature. And I think a lot of maturity comes from having to take responsibility for things outside of yourself, and even for yourself at times. And I think that millennials, um let's be honest we we were born in a space of freedom freedom of thought freedom of mind we can do whatever we want to do if i never want to move out of my mom's house for some reason it's okay but i know my mom didn't have the same option with her mother do you get what i'm saying like there was a certain level of, of urgency to grow up and take up responsibility but i think in the next generation um we haven't received that same level of uh, non-negotiable. It's an option for us to grow up or not as millennials. And I think that's where the discrepancy comes at times within us. Um, yeah, that's like my, that's what I think. But I also feel like as a person that hasn't like reached most of these milestones, like you can't help but have that playing in your back of the head. Like, Mm. oh, this is like a certain landmark that I'm supposed to hit. And the fact that there's no pressure, there's Like the fact that I could literally take close to 10 years to get my undergrad and no one really stressed me out about it. That's kind of fucking insane. Like there's no way that you should let someone, obviously I'm grateful for the freedom, but like at the end- Which people were letting you? (laughs) Well, (laughs) fair question, but I feel as though like, if I had dragged myself, like, well, I guess because, like, they're really not as in control of me right now, but I feel as though there's not really that much pressure. Like, there's always questions like, hey, Lou, when are you going to graduate? But, like, it's not like, oh, I'm at your apartment. Lou, what's happening with your life? Constantly checking up on me. There's still that freedom that I had. Like, the occasional text, the occasional phone call, I can handle that. 
But if my mom was really in my business about this, I don't think I would have taken this long. Now, onto that, imagine your parents um, reverted that responsibility back to you and said, because you've taken this long, you have to pay for yourself. How serious would you have taken it more? Because now you have less of it. So that's why I say we've been treated as infants because we have so much choice. And that's the part of adulting that um, we are missing out on. Because when you're an adult, you're so aware of the fact that um, you have less choice and the decisions you make are more serious, like a more um what's this thing yeah they're more serious essentially do you know what i'm saying but then you can stay in infant mode because now you just have you living your best life do you know what i'm saying you've got choices so that's even why i feel like people who go through hardship or have less opportunity sometimes also thrive but how do you like judge like okay then what does adultness look like for a millennial like what's real like what's expected and what's like okay you're actually falling behind because i think at a certain point there is like okay girl get your shit together and like when is that time brianna do you want to take that uh to your question i feel like millennials like everyone was saying i think we put the power back into our hands so i think like our adultiness is definitely defined by how we define it so like when I first read the tweet and like this like the story I like my first thought was I don't know if it's that we're like not achieving those milestones I just feel like our goals and our aspirations have shifted as millennials like I don't think we put that much weight on buying a house then settling down and then having a baby and then like you know that step one step two step three I think most of us are more free spirited than that so we have other things in our mind that we want to accomplish to make us feel like an adult like for me what how I would feel accomplished would be like that my own brand and my own like website is successful and I'm able to like be self-sufficient without having to like work like having my parents like just in the back pocket of my pants like I feel like once I'm able to let go of like that I feel like then I'm an accomplished adult speaking of your website I, a little birdie told me you may have a first article that's up for the people to see. Oh, <laughs> I do, I guess. What is this? You want to tell the people what your website is, you know? The thousand uh, sure. people. You can listening. visit mixedwithblack.com and it's just a website where I talk about fashion business news and I highlight different designers and brands and yeah that's my website that information will be down in the description box so ah check it out (laughs) (laughs) we are here damn wasn't ready for that plug (laughs) was not ready for that plug I would have had a paragraph ready (laughs) she would have had a young two minute pitch (laughs) don't worry I'll bring it up again (laughs) the next tweet that we have is um, by India India Almighty and I like this tweet because Heike, kind of what I think. So the tweet reads, I don't believe in compromise. I believe in compatibility. The more compatible you are, the less you have to compromise. Simple. Ruzi, what say you to this tweet? I knew you were going to start with me. Oh my gosh. I was like, 
um, what's it called? I think that um, obviously um, it's bit like you always want to be compatible with somebody. Do you know what I mean? But compromise will always come into it. So I think that um, there's a level to compromising with somebody, and I think that compromise that compromisation, whatever, shouldn't lead to a comp an, an, an invert to yourself. Do you know what I mean? You shouldn't compromise yourself for the compatibility. So there's a certain there's a there's a certain level in which you should compromise at. That makes sense to achieve whatever you want to achieve, etc. If it's in a relationship, friendship, um, parent with parent, sibling, whatever, it's just about, yeah, it should, it, it, um, there should be more, um, yeah, there shouldn't be too, they, you, you should never compromise yourself in order to reach the compatibility, if that makes sense. Sure. But I also like feel that like, in my opinion, I don't think relationships should be difficult. I don't think my friendship should be difficult. I don't think relationships should be difficult. And if it's getting to the point where, like, in my mind, I have to do arithmetic, like, okay, last time I compromised, so now this situation, he should compromise with me and this, that, and the other. Like, I don't think it should be complicated like that. I don't understand, like, you're supposed to be with someone that you have things in common. Like, I don't understand the idea of opposites are drawn together. Like, that doesn't seem ideal to me. PK? <laughs> that is a big... <laughs> yo, that is... <laughs> yo, that's a big thing to, to, to argue because um, I hear what you're saying. But I also feel that sometimes people within finding like certain opposites of each other can kind of end up complementing each other as a whole or as a union, as a unity, as, as a unit actually together. So even if you don't necessarily understand it or, um, or certain people have um, things that are in some ways difficult, I think also difficult. What, is, what does that mean for you in terms of difficult versus what that means to someone else who's in a relationship or someone else who's you know, in a friendship and what they, what they call difficult? I think it's a lot to do with, like Ruru said, um, to do with your core and your compatibility. But at the same time, um, sometimes people find that certain things are worth kind of being difficult about to kind of reach another level of growth, another level of maturity, another level of understanding. Um, so I wouldn't exactly cut it off to say like, I don't necessarily understand people when they say like opposites um, attract or whatever, but I do think it's more, they make it a fairy tale in, in films and stuff. For that, I will say that is a bloody lie. <laughs> and I also feel like if it's like big things, like you can't put someone that's indoors, like me, that likes to be indoors, AC, like protect buildings, pair that person up with someone that likes being outdoors, enjoys hiking, going camping. Like that doesn't seem compatible. And it doesn't matter how many other things we have in common. Like I'm not going camping with you. That is just nothing that I would ever do so it's just like how much are you guys compromising because I feel as though like the moment even with like relationships the moment it's like taking me too far out of my comfort zone I'm like no this isn't but I where's Sagittarius don't you like it <laughs> where's Sagittarius in you my thing is that 
that is a you problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you keep out of yourself by going to camp. Like that could actually be a really funny bonding experience for mm-hmm. your person. And it's how you look at that compromise at time mm-hmm. that I think is important. Influendo. That's that's for you. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree with that. I feel like I- I agree. Everyone agrees. Okay. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> sorry, Lou. I feel like um like exactly like that person who likes to go outside and you don't, like you would like it's gonna kind of force you to kind of go outside a little, and then that might like inspire you to do something else within your own comfort zone. Mm. So I think like it's important to have someone who is opposite to help you push yourself out. Cause like most of the time we're never gonna push ourselves out of our comfort zone unless we're like Beyonce, who's like, you know, out of this world. So you need someone kind of to also like work you into like work you out of your comfort zone to selfishly work on your own Mm. would you want to date would you want to have an would you want to be with yourself no (laughs) i personally (laughs) no signs and downs are you sure are you sure You know very well you'd have to compromise in that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> this took an unexpected turn. <laughs> We're gonna move on to the next week. <laughs> it's honestly a different tone. So okay, it's a cartoon and um I'm going to read what the cartoon is and describe. So essentially, it's this Caucasian male holding a gun with a phone to his ear saying, hey, I just shot and killed this kid. You can find any old video of him that I can use, loose, like that I can loosely use to say he deserved to die. I'd settle for an old tweet. And it's a black male shot twice in his back, lying down in a pool of his blood. It's really, um, yeah, it's really sad. And I think this cartoon in the context of everything that's happening with George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey, it just, I don't know. I feel like these things always happen during the summertime. Like the moment it gets warm, that's when like, cops start acting crazy that's when people start getting like really restless and i feel like that's where we're at right now pk well i I don't know whether yeah i don't i don't know what to say about summertime um i feel like people stays being crazy um and yeah i think it's it's very sad because i think um just in in general, what people try to do or what, I guess, like what's in terms of what's going on right now politically, a lot of the time, um, especially with the events of the past couple of weeks, you know, um, it seems like people are always trying to, white people, let me say, are always trying to find ways to discredit um, black lives. So even in death, you need to be um, fighting for your life and your humanity so people don't see you as, you know, what they label as um, a criminal. and it's very sad and unjust to me um, that that's the way it is because it's just like a cheap tactic that they seem to be using these days to try um, and make 
you know, people question, oh, was this person really a criminal? Or to see the other side of the story, which is what people like to say, oh, but you have to think, guys, there's always another side. No, there's no other side because um, most of the case, um, which is what you've seen with um, Floyd, is like, I mean, this thing was taped. So you're going to tell us that there's another side to the story apart from just like a, a murder, a complete murder of someone, looting of someone's black body, killing them on like on video live for everyone to see. Um, yeah, I, it just, it doesn't sit well with me. And then also just another thing that I want to add is like, I don't know if you guys have seen, but like, I think they released yesterday or maybe two days ago, something to do with um, the autopsy um, mm. that came from um, mm -hmm. George Floyd's, um, I guess the autopsy that the doctor did that was, um, put into place by the state or whatever. And they were basically saying that he had other underlying health issues or, or, or something, which is essentially kind of blaming him for his own death. So no, it's like, it's partially that like, maybe it shoved the knee on his neck for like eight or nine minutes, but also, you know, it, he also died because I mean, he had all these health issues, which is just, to me, it is just, yeah, it's abs it's an absolute mess. It's it's so sad. It's yeah, I don't even know what to what to say about it. Yeah. What does everyone think about the response that the public has been having to all of these like incidents of violence against like essentially the black community? Okay, personally, I'll say like. I I love it. I love it because to be honest, like I didn't realize how normal it was. I've been hearing about like police brutality and stuff, but the way I've been hearing about it is like it is it's almost been normalized in America. Mm -hmm. And because I'm in South Africa, I can't I couldn't relate. But now because of how often it's been like um spoken about and stuff, it's become personal for me, even from mm -hmm. this side. So I like the fact that we're trying to not make this thing normal anymore. I like the fact that we're talking about it and everyone is showing initiative in their own capacity. I like the fact that I even know about it. I like the fact that I'm even feeling this like personal about it, to be honest, because we all like to say that's an American problem, that's a this problem. Mm. But I like the idea of unity and a unified way of dealing um, with this, with the same intention, essentially, which is to denormalize that's mm. the word yeah um, it's something that has been normalized for too long mm. uh, like genuinely i'm in shock at how often this happens mm. uh, it's so i personally um i love it mm. it's depressing but i love it yeah. <laughs> so i oh sorry no 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 sorry so I was just going to read out like an Instagram post that I keep reposting because I kind of think it's just so powerful. It was retweeted by um, the Black Love Bible. I'm probably getting that wrong. Should have probably had it already, but whatever. And the post goes, it says, the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. And I feel like that's essentially what's happening. It's not necessarily that like Black people want to feel a part of the white community, but it's more just this idea of equality, this yearning, this need to be treated equally. And you get to a certain point where petitions aren't enough, little hashtags on the internet are not enough because it's like, 
if we're having the same story every single year, every single year you can remember a distinctive story where a black person was treated unfairly, lost their life over like a bullshit situation. And to the point where I'm like, just let it all burn. Like at this mm -hmm. point, because even the idea of in Minneapolis, a police precinct being burnt to the ground, that still doesn't match up to the way George Floyd's life was lost. Like that's not equal to me. And I feel as though like burn it all to the ground because you guys aren't really understanding what we're saying. And it's like, so I got an Instagram message from one of my friends and she was like, da, 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 like something, something, this is in the black community, but I feel very affected by it. And it's not a black, it is a black, but it also runs deeper, like what Mbali was saying, that she's all the way in South Africa, but she feels so close to this because at the end of the day, it doesn't take a lot for a human to sympathize with injustice. Like it doesn't, you do, your skin doesn't need to be black for you to identify that this shit is wrong and this is affecting me because other people, other humans, other people that are part of my, what makes this human race are being treated just so crazy so crazy he lost a life over a fake like an a forged 20 dollar bill 20 dollar bill yeah a forged 20 dollar bill that he didn't even know that he had like that issue could have been sorted out without calling the police and now you want to wonder why people don't call police to sort the situation out because they exacerbate it and i just saw a tweet as well that spoke about the cop that actually um um killed him he um was actually even a member from the kkk so like a proud oh, member. Was he? so how do you rehabilitate something like that what was more scary to me in watching it was the fact that someone lost their life in front of the cameras no one did anything like if you watch the whole thing it shows you how deep this issue mm. is like it's actually quite deep for him to have the arrogance or to feel entitled to doing that to someone on that um, type of platform, he wasn't even scared that he was being taped. He felt justified. That's a different level of rehabilitation that needs to happen. Do you get what I'm saying? That's mm -hmm. it's it's so it's, deep. Yeah, I don't know. If How I do be you asking. have members <laughs> of the KKK in the police Please. department? There's no yeah. that doesn't even make any sense because it doesn't matter what situation they enter, their perception oh, yeah, is saying, completely skewed by this hate that they have inside. Like mm -hmm. that should immediately disqualify you from being on this police department. Full stop period. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree. like the responses that I've been seeing. It's like really hard to see on Instagram because you do. There are some videos where you see some people getting seriously hurt. Like I literally just opened my Instagram and I just saw a video on on um, someone just posted a video. This guy got stuck under a FedEx truck because he was trying to loot it and he got dragged like just died under this FedEx truck. And it's like very scary to see. But then at the same time, I, I agree with everyone else. It's like enough is enough. Like I just posted a video on my Instagram with Tupac basically kind of putting an analogy to it where it's like, OK, let's say we're in the same we're in this room. And then in the next room, there's some food, but the door is locked. So I'm knocking on the door and I'm asking, hey, can I get some food? 
but you you're not answering my my knock you're just not answering so then after like two three weeks you're kind of like pounding on the door you're like hey i'm hungry like can you can you just give me some food i need some food to like live i can't i'm hungry after two three weeks they're still not answering so after like four or five weeks at this point you're like picking the lock you're trying to break down the door you're trying to get in there because at this point you're starving your body has like shriveled up you need something to put in your body and that person and that room is holding what it is so what else do you expect people to do but to react at like this at this point because before our people before us were were asking and they were begging and no one was listening so what do you expect the people of today to do it's like they're upset (laughs) they're very very upset yeah um i kind of wanted to bring up the lady gaga quote but (laughs) a part of me thinks i should just save that for later (laughs) Uh uh-oh what did she say? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> okay, at worst, Michael can hopefully just snip this out. <laughs> yes, now that we have an editor. <laughs> so, on Friday, Gaga released her new album, and I've renewed my membership to a Gaga stan, but she has the song called Sign From Above with Alton John. And one of the refrains in that song is, before there was love, there was silence. And like, just the idea that like, before love was introduced to the world, people had a reason to like, get upset, rejoice, make noise all of a sudden. And I feel as though this noise that we're hearing right now, it's deeply built in this like, genuine love that we have for like, just like genuine love that we have for humanity. And I'm not trying to make it seem like this love the world statement, but again, it comes back to this idea of, I could name uh, 10 things that make me and George Floyd different or why I shouldn't be able to relate to this. But at the end of the day, it's this genuine love that you have for humanity, just for people as people, like forget all the other stuff. So when you see something so horrific like it makes you scream it makes you want to make noise it makes you want to burn shit down and it's like this is what fighting for something important is this is what it is like getting upset burning things down like this is what i relate to i don't relate to sending emails calling your representative that's too passive and like i don't know this just makes sense like this noise that we're hearing Immediately when I heard that from Lady Gaga, I was just like, this is what it is. It's rooted from a genuine sense of like caring for one another, despite what the differences is, especially when we see it from a lens of injustice. So that was my little rant. (laughs) This is is when you need Robert Mugabe. Can I tell you, he needs to come here and talk to you. (laughs) This is when you need a radical African person leader to mm. come and do the right thing. Africans are too passive. The way Europeans and Westerners deal with each other is in unity. Mm-hmm. Why can't we do it for African-Americans? Mm-hmm. Why? Why aren't our leaders saying more? Why aren't they engaging with on their political yes. levels and, and yeah. platforms? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it becomes a bigger conversation as an African. Yeah. First and foremost, yeah. that's, that's who at, um, what do you call it? At, 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 at risk, yeah. Who yeah. doesn't have a sense of home or security. Yeah. We you need know? Yeah. <laughs> more responsible with our people you know like but hey 
and like just one last thing that I wanted to add is that like you see all these protests you see a nice mix of black people white people different colors like we love it we love to see it but at the end of the day that same energy that's there on the ground level that's protesting it needs to be represented in places that actually have power to change what's happening like i don't care that you're out there protesting like now go back home speak to your mom that might be a representative speak to your mom that might be in ahead of a company like in a position to actually do something because all of these protests and riots are great but if we don't have representation in places that matter, what what? <laughs>、uh, I was just gonna say, just in speaking to that, I think it goes. It's it's a it's such a big issue. It's such a big problem that it needs to actually be almost be built in every kind of. Every aspect of society, whether it's to do with people who are people of power, whether it's to do with a white girl and her racist ass family, whether it's and the conversations you have during Sunday lunch, whether it's to do with something that you see at like a store or at the shops where someone is, you know, someone is racist towards someone else. I think it needs to. It, it's so big that it needs to be. It needs to be on on all fronts of of a human. Otherwise, I just like. What you're saying, I don't think you're doing enough, and because this is such a big problem, it 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 requires action from different from towards different places and spaces. Because one place just isn't enough. Protesting and writing, it isn't enough. So yeah, that's what I think would be great. And people do like to act like they're allies or whatever, but when it comes to crunch time, when it comes to、mm. things being difficult and things being uncomfortable, I think a lot of the time people just choose to shut up, which is sad. I was just gonna add that, literally, just to add to what PK literally just said. There was a tweet that I saw that was like, "You guys want us to protest peacefully, so it's easier for you to ignore it." But now that like we're literally setting things on fire and like doing all these outrageous things, there's no way for you to just not see that. Like you literally have to see it. And then the second thing I was gonna say was there's like a video I'm sure I don't know if you guys saw it but like of Rihanna she was like at some sort of award show、yeah. and she was giving a speech and she was basically saying like you know these white people they like you right like they like having you in their circle right they like inviting you to these parties they like hanging out with you so when it's time when it's push to shove like tell them to pull up like. Where are you at? What's going、yeah. on? And it was just like I loved how she said it because it was so in the language of like the people of now,、mm. and then it it just like made so much sense. It was like pull up, and I was like, that's a so perfect. Like pull <coughs> up, white allies, pull up. When it matters, yeah. Okay, so never have I ever is a statement that you've never done, right? Exactly. Okay. Yes. So mine is. It's kind of simple, but I know it's it's pretty universal. Never have I ever eaten a mango. <laughs> I hate a mango. I hate fruit. <laughs> And it、I、doesn't do, matter. You can list every single fruit. Brianna does not fuck with. No,、it. I do not fuck with. Oh、fruits. wait. 
And by the way, we're supposed to be raising our hands if we have, or no, if we agree with, with the statement. Yes, if, we have, no, if you have done it, you inc- lift up your hand. Oh, if you have. Okay, because I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. I hate fruits. Do you, do you have reaction? So how did you know you hate all fruits? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I grew up like a very picky eater. Like I only, I was one of those kids that literally only ate chicken nuggets up until like ninth, twelfth grade. Honestly, <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, they really did. They really did. But, like, fruits have, like, a texture that it's, like, too soft and it's, like, gushy. I don't, I hate it. I hate it so much. That is the saddest thing I have ever heard because fruits can be so nice to me. So refreshing during the summertime. And then you get to the end of the mango and then you have to pull and then that stuff gets stuck between your teeth because it's so good. Nah, you (laughs) don't. So, hot topics, guys. These are a couple of things happen. You know, this has been a very fucking busy week. (laughs) So much happening. But one of the ones that I did want to talk about is so RuPaul did RuPaul. World famous drag queen, a personality, marketing genius. Like, I can't sing this person's praise enough. But RuPaul had um, um, an interview with Vanity Fair where they increasingly ask personal questions. And one of his responses I found interesting. I think we're going to put in a clip of what he responds. But the question was, um, why did you two decide on an open marriage. To decide on an open marriage. Um, um, we didn't decide. That's what, <laughs> the, you know, this, the hoax is that monogamy is actually something that can actually happen. I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to put restraints on the person I love the most on this planet. Um, I wouldn't do that to someone I love, my very best friend. Listen, if you get something happening that you cannot resist and that it's going to make you happy, go for it. Go for it. Because the truth is, um, I know in my heart of hearts, like I've, don't, like I've never known anything before, that man loves me more than anything else in this world. You once went on a note. Has everyone listened to the clip or like that specific section? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what did you guys think? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Personally, I, I get his choice. It's not a choice I would make, but I understand <laughs> why that choice. And, like that. <laughs> and yeah, and it's like, it's, it's, it's because this weekend I was watching Netflix explain or Netflix that's this thing called explained and monogamy was there and like um um it's just like i'm sorry i just this guy made such a good brilliant analogy which i discussed with him by over the phone and i was just like friend this guy made an analogy that you know what some people are vegetarians and they can smell the taste of bacon but it's not necessarily they won't necessarily have the bacon you know what i mean they will like it they'll like how it smells and everything but it's a matter of choice. And I just think that, I'm sorry, 
I'm a person that expects my person to be loyal to me. I don't want to share him. I don't do anything. And yes, you can call me jealous. Yes, you can call me controlling, but that is who I am. I do not believe in sharing. I don't share people that I love, that they said. I can't it, share. It's like, I think more like what I found more, like a little bit interesting is why is, why is monogamy tied to love? Like if you love some, does like, why does being monogamous mean that you love someone? Because you can be monogamous and be shitty in the relationship, but most of the time they'll want to throw that back in your face and be like, well, I've been faithful the whole time. Like you've been faithful the whole time, but you've been a shitty partner. And like, why is no. that link? Like, why is that so tied to loyalty in a relationship? I just think that a monogamy is part of my love language. So I, I you can't just make up your own love language. <laughs> <laughs> how it works. <laughs> no, I, I can that. Like I'm super. I've seen people being free and everything in terms of love, but I don't throw love loosely. Do you know what I mean? So I will never. Um, what's it called? If I if I expect what I'll give you in a relationship so i lay it down you know what i mean if, if you want to be um casual and everything let's be casual if you want to um what's it called not be serious then let's not be serious you know what i mean like but if i go to a place if it got higher and higher and higher then i will not compromise myself for you kind of thing but if i can add <laughs> But it's not only compromising yourself for someone else. It's also giving you that leeway. Like if you, cause I don't feel like life should be contained. Like all your experiences in life should be contained. Like if let's say you happen to be in a situation and you want to explore something, I don't think that takes away from the love that you have for some, buddy, you're distracting mm. me. What are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, Bunny looks like she what? has something to say. Her eyes are just like, I don't believe that shit. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Am I distracting you? <laughs> I think I'm listening to like everything you're saying and I'm listening to like everyone. I'm listening to you, I'm listening to you. Okay. And like, I just my personal like. <laughs> so for me personally, <laughs> I think it goes back to compatibility and compromise. I think it goes back to choice, right? So for me personally, I heard the clip and RuPaul was saying that she, he feels, or hey, what do you say? She, he, RuPaul, RuPaul feels, RuPaul feels that it's a form of restraint to be monogamous, right? So my thing is that surely, um, by you saying that, I feel like you're taking something, he's taking something away from his, what he finds foundationally acceptable. Because I should never feel like I'm restraining you if we're in agreement. Do you get what I'm saying? And I feel that like someone always has to compromise in relationships and stuff, but um, it's a choice. Be with someone who has the same level of conviction of monogamy with you. And the reason why it is, and like you were saying, why it's attached to love is because um, that's a conversation you've had with your partner. So it's it's like any other sense of betrayal. If you, for instance, don't like um, apples, I don't know, <laughs> and your partner constantly buys apples and even secretly puts it into, into your cereal. I don't know. It's a very... <laughs> it's like any other choice. And going back to the analogy of vegetarian, which I liked, 
it's um, being a vegetarian is a form of restraint, but it comes, it goes towards your ethics and how you view life and your personal choice. And I feel like monogamy is a personal choice. And that restraint shouldn't feel like a restraint. It should feel like something that is nourishing to your soul. And I feel that like it shouldn't be an expectation. Monogamy shouldn't be an expectation. But I do feel that like those who choose to enter into monogamy should honor that. Mm. Don't say that mm. I'm monogamous if you want to be in a polyamorous relationship because there are people for that. There are people mm. who also feel the same way. And instead of compromising someone else's child, go to the, another person's child who's okay with that. Mm. <laughs> Good, <I'm> <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah. I agree with There's them, some- Bali. I- Sorry, go. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say yeah I think I think it's like I think these things are simple sometimes you try and make them difficult but it's actually simple it's a matter of choice you either want to do it or you don't want to do it and I think that a lot of it has to do with like communicating and if those those ideas or whatever seem to change what people tend to 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 do is to not then communicate, oh, I'm feeling this way, I'm feeling this way. Instead, then they'll decide, okay, let me just go be a homors, let me go cheat and, you know, see what happens. And then this nigga gets caught like, you know, uh, five five minutes down the line. And it's just like, this could have been avoided had you had this discussion. You don't know what your partner now maybe is possibly open to. It's just, for me, I feel like oh, this is, it's such a boring discussion to me because I'm just like, I feel like we should honor each other more and respect each other through just basic communication. If things shift, someone can be open to shift, but you won't know that until you open up to them. And by 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 lying and, you know, I don't know, lying, cheating, being a, a sneaky snake for me, it's just like, I'm like, that's that's so childish. Not 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 today, not right now when, you know, if you're in a relationship or whatever. I don't I just don't think it's good enough. I think it's just like pathetic. But like I also feel like, especially like in this context, like I'm assuming that both people are like willing parties to this agreement but i feel as though more than anything we're open to discuss marriage and different types of ways you can have a baby and do this and that like everyone's flexible on all these aspects of modern life but when we come back to talk about monogamy like some people will be in a relationship the person cheats and that's an absolute like no no and it's like and it goes in various levels like did you guys just kiss? Did you just do? Did you do this? What did you do? Like into the technicalities, like, and I feel as though those little technicalities conversations, like whether it was a kiss or whether it was like going all the way, it's still a violation of what happened. And I'm saying is, why should you, like, why aren't people open to talking about that aspect? Like, why don't we see more of these types of relationships? Because essentially. I feel like it's a more honest way. Cause like, I would hate for someone to cheat on me and keep that to themselves. And then like five years down the line, five weeks, maybe five minutes afterwards, I'm the last to know. Like that to me doesn't seem ideal. Like I'd rather start with a place where I'm saying, okay, if this happens, like this isn't a deal breaker so that you already have this like open dialogue. Whereas back to my guy, Tiger freaking Woods, his wife being hella surprised that there's 16 blondes claiming that they had a relationship 
with your man. Like that's wild to me. And I feel like because there's pressure on monogamy and monogamous relationships, that's what leads guys to acting fucking crazy, like insane. But I think there's a certain amount of um, people like there's a certain amount because it's traditional to be in a monogamous relationship and when you step outside of that tradition it's like becomes you feel that you are disgusting for wanting your partner and wanting more so to have that conversation is harder because um yes we talk about we all free spirits and everything but when it comes to topics of commitment or love whatever we 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 struggle in terms of altering it like changing it or making it work for ourselves and therefore mm. we rebel in certain ways that actually compromise a relationship that you always wanted but you want but it's, it's like um people people express love in different ways but we're not used to having those conversations about my love language or your love 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 language and and that's what leads to like um um people saying you know what like that's why we find it so um crazy a lot of people find it so crazy that people are in these like relationships but it actually works for them you know and yeah but i don't judge it i think it's admirable that they can share like that but mm-hmm. yeah I think it would be nice. Imagine it's table talk discussion. Guys, my husband cheated on me here. Can I tell you? <laughs> Basically, like, I think that to have that open discussion, I think would be healthy because I think we'd get to the crux as to why. The why behind certain things isn't really that deep. I think, like PK yeah. said, I think it's just about communicating around a topic enough. Yeah. And I think we were saying it's traditional, but I think there's a sense of evolution in that thought and how we... Um, we have more of a choice of how we want to date, how mm-hmm. we want to coexist, how we want to love, whereas before it was very much prescribed to us. Yes. Can, can I just add an interval? Can I please leave the conversation at nine o'clock? Okay, I think we'll be done by then. Done by then. <laughs> okay, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, does anyone else want to add to that? I mean, I'll just say that like in my logical brain, like when I think about it, I don't believe in monogamy. But like Rue was saying, like I personally would not be able to not be in a monogamous relationship because I just feel like I don't have enough time and money to not be in a monogamous relationship. <laughs> well, that just sounds like it's based on your circumstances. So. Yeah, That's definitely. <laughs> For sure. Like, I, <laughs> I just feel like I don't have enough time to, like, spread my emotions to so many different people at one time like one person is a lot already to keep up with like that's already a lot for me to like open up and like give them like open myself to them and that's just me personally so like I also too envy those people who are able to kind of like divvy up those things because I just it just like in my logical mind I don't believe in monogamy because I feel like no one is perfect so you're not gonna find all of the things that you need or want in just one person there's gonna be different people who will off who will offer different things to you and help you like we were saying before get you out of that comfort zone so like I it's like a weird conversation and it I also don't know why we don't talk about it and e- like either because I'm thinking back on all of my relationships and I don't think I've ever had that 
conversation once about like, hey, so are we gonna like stay monogamous or are we gonna like date other people? There's I feel like an assumption. Yeah, it's just an assumption that we're gonna be like loyal to each other. I think the only conversation I ever really have is like, like the first two weeks when you're talking to someone, you're like, so are you talking to someone <laughs> else? Or like, like I think that's the the only step I've ever taken to like at, like talking about that sort of things. But yeah. once we become exclusive in quotation yeah. marks, I'm expecting you to stay loyal to me and. I'm being loyal to you like there's no other conversation but that's a really good conversation I feel like now I should have it <laughs> you can have it when your bank account matches <laughs> yeah exactly have <laughs> money so in like a couple of years yeah <laughs> um the next one I actually so this is a video that um Brianna had sent to me over Instagram and the title of the video is called all black women are not your friends. And I sent this to everyone's DMS. I don't know if you guys got the chance to look at it. Mm. Yes. Oh, good. Great. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I think it's important to point out is that as black women, I think there's this expectation be it familial, romantic, or platonic friendships, that we have an unwavering amount of loyalty towards each other, regardless of how toxic we may be. And I think that's that's been my biggest issue. Um, I was raised by a parent who did that, and I was expected to put up with them because they stuck around and the other parent didn't. But this ain't about parents, this is about friendship. And it really hit me when I want to shout out Kalechi Okafor. She has a podcast called Say Your Mind, and she put this so perfectly for me in an episode she released about a week or two ago. She was basically saying, you know, I'm all right with not having new friends right now. Cause you know, she's like, people reach out to her, they want to be her friend. And she's like, look, don't take it personally. If you say that and I don't respond or you follow me, and I don't follow back because in my experience, which is what I relate to, she's like the same people who are so hyper enthusiastic to be your friend and spend all this time with you. They now flip that energy and use it against you when you don't do what they want and they contribute to what they hope will be or downfall. So Brianna, I guess, do you want to lead, kick this one off? Sure. I mean, I like when I first saw the clip, I was really shocked because I feel like the conversation in public forums and on social media forums, a lot of it is geared toward positivity towards black women within each other. So then when I came across this video basically saying like, not all black girls are your friends, I was like, wow, that's really interesting because I know we've all been in situations where that is very true. So I I just started watching it and then my mind just goes to like my last job where I will never forget (laughs) there were just like I like there's only like three black girls in my office and I remember walking in the first day and seeing a black girl and smiling so hard at her because I was like, oh, my God, I like have a friend here. <laughs> like, like, I just remember being like, thank God, like, I'm not the only one. Like, we can totally be best friends. I had a whole life plan for us. Like, I was ready to be her best friend. And I just remember she looked at me, sized me up and down 
and just walked right past me. And I was like, wow, what a fucking bitch. (laughs) What a fucking bitch. And we never spoke. And then I found out that she was like kind of like in a managerial position. And she was just one of those black girls where like, it's only going to be me and it's not going to be anyone else. And we never spoke. We never had any sort of eye contact. She never smiled at me. You know, when you like walk by someone, you kind of give them a smirk. None of it. And I, re- I just remember being like, I, she's a bitch. <laughs> like she's a fucking bitch. Black or white, you're a bitch. And like that, that just always stuck with me. So that when I saw the video, I was like, that's very true. Like I think it needs to be more of a conversation where it's like, yeah, like we like most of us do like to uplift each other. Like this podcast is like evident to that, but there are some girls out there who just don't wish you well because they want to be either the only one in that status or position and they don't want to see you like flourish. And then it also just like stems from the conversation of like why black people don't like to empower other black people. It's weird. Mm. It's it's like it's like it's a power dynamic thing. Like um as soon as you the black girl to party and everything be cool but when it comes to like um even like intimate like even if a guy you like or they're in like in a circle mm-hmm. because uh, they feel threatened by you and stuff like that it will never be like okay let me you know let me get to know you as a person kind of always have level of threat that they act according mm-hmm. to and and then when you go into a social setting and with, and there's only one black person in the room. It, there's an expectation that, and it's female, one black female in the room. There's an expectation that you guys are automatically gonna jump. And if you don't jump, all the white people in the room be like, uh, <laughs> "That's a good and, point." Yeah. Yeah, and I feel, and I feel that as black women, we know that we don't jump. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We know it, but when we feel that, um, it's weird. We, we come together. Um, when we need to come together and we protect ourselves when we need to protect ourselves but we don't uplift each other do you know what I mean and um, when I say come together it's like moments our, our power is threatened but we don't come to that thing of growing each other if that makes sense so we always act from a level of fear or threat so yeah but like one of the things that I was just like because you mentioned this like not all black people will get along but even though logically in my brain, I understand that concept, like mm-hmm. black people, we all don't come in the same one size fits all. There's different variations. But I promise you, when I walk into a room <laughs> and I see another black person, You're, we're best I friends. <laughs> automatically see that. And I get so surprised because, like, I feel like. Oh, shame. White fe- and I have ton of, tons of white friends, and I know they're the exception, but I feel like the way that a white person is shady is different from the way a black person is shady. Like, I can deal with a black person's shadiness. Like, even when they're acting offside, I know what I'm dealing with. Like, when I know someone doesn't like me, I know immediately. But with uh, Susan, I don't know if she's being passive aggressive. I don't know if she's my friend. I don't know if there's an angle. Like, I don't know where I stand with that person. So I think even though I know there's a difference in white, like a difference in different types of black people, I just assume. And I think there should be an assumption that we have each other's back because guess what? If I'm walking into a, a room and there are only two of us or only three of us there, automatically we should have each other's backs mm-hmm. because we know what it takes for each of us to have gotten to this position. 
Like, I don't yeah. know what that is because I'm going to extend the same kindness that's yeah. going to come to another Black person. Even I'm even going to overextend myself. Like, are you sure you've got everything? Do you understand the role? Do you want to do this? Like, do you need help in another department? Like, I feel like I owe that to that person because of how many other Black people were kind to me, gave me that extra level of attention. And I think it's also a little bit different being in America because in South Africa, you're surrounded by black people. And I didn't realize just how comforting that is because walking mm -hmm. into a room, genuinely not just like into a room of people you can't read like, and not even feeling a sense of like security or comfort, like, I don't know. And there's also that fear of being misunderstood. And the moment I see someone else that looks like me, I feel less out of place. I'm like, okay, I just, and even though I know I deserve to be there, I'm like, okay, we're in this together. Like, let's do our thing. Yeah, but it also goes back to what and Daddy was saying earlier, you know, about power and how, why aren't enough African leaders um, supporting what's happening in America or standing up to what's happening? And I think as Black, we've been through so much that we don't want to jeopardize where we're at right now. Do you know what I mean? And I think that just going back to women and stuff like that, because like when you walked into the workplace and she's in a managerial position, she won't she won't want to do anything that she won't want to engage with you or or help you in any way that might jeopardize where she's at. And there's that thing, it always goes back to threat, insecurity, everything. Like, you're confident enough to say to that girl, like, you, when you walk into the space, listen, let's just be friends. Like, mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing about it. But white people do it in a different way, where they will always come together because they don't want anything to threaten where they're at right now. But black people do it in a different way, where they act like, you know what, I don't want anything to threaten my position where I'm at right now. And mm -hmm. it scares me that I was actually so happy somebody called it out. And then I saw that podcast, I was like, finally somebody's talking about the fact that black women don't want to be friends with each other. But we need to know um, that it's okay to be friends with each other, but let's do it behind closed doors, not when we walk outside, you know what I mean? Because we need to build each other and um, there, are other, there are bigger things happening besides ourselves, you know? But mm -hmm. there's time and everything, I think. But I also think that, like, I don't, just, like, experience, like, I've never been, like, I don't think, yeah, I think it's fair to say, like, I haven't had a white person treat me in a way that, like, oh, I feel like they're treating me differently because of my race. Like, I haven't experienced that in my life, and I'm grateful yeah. for that. Like, it hasn't been, like, yeah, no. Like, if I'm honestly speaking, that hasn't been the case. But I have been in situations with, like, other Black girls when we start picking at, like, minor details that don't even matter, like the way that someone speaks or the way that they're dressed or these other stupid things, the way that your hair is done, the way that you present yourself. Like, I feel as though within the black community, they isn't that, when it gets ugly, it gets really ugly. And I don't think I've experienced that from a white person the way that I have from like another black person. I don't know if I completely agree with yeah. that, but I think that I it's it, maybe it can get really ugly because in your mind, 
you might expect or hope for otherwise. The hope is that even if we are never friends or whatever, I see you, you see me, we have that like understanding. We know what it took for us to both be here, to both be at this table or whatever. And which makes it even more hurtful when it seems like someone is now trying to like, trying to to threaten that or um you know like shove you to the side or whatever because even if it's not spoken about it's almost like a it's like an understanding an unspoken understanding between black people that's the way that i like the way that i think um i view that so it seems like you've been betrayed to begin with you know yeah mm-hmm. i think maybe that's more it because i have a higher mm. expectation so when things go left what? i'm just like what is mm. happening right now and like more specifically like i'm gonna tell you guys this can probably get edited out but like i always used to wake up super early i used to have these two black roommates and like i wake up early and i make tea and sometimes like the tea kettle that i have makes like a really loud noise and sometimes it'll wake people up, but I don't do it on purpose. Like sometimes it just starts screaming. And this one day, like I had to wake up at 3 a.m. I can't remember what I was doing. So <laughs> it started screaming and my roommate, my black sister, my compadre, <laughs> it wasn't good. I left the house, I came back, my kettle was gone. I keep my kettle on top of the stove. <laughs> I literally took my kettle and threw it away. I've never been so betrayed in my life. And that was just such a personal attack because I drank at least three cups of tea every single day. So she knew exactly what she was doing. Exactly. And she was so scary. She had blue contact lenses, these fake eyelashes. She had a belly ring. She was from West Palm Beach. And I'm not saying anything about West Palm Beach. But she was from specific area in west palm beach and she lit this oh this other time i was smoking a little bit in my room and obviously the smell somehow drifted into the somehow. main apartment and she's banging on my door like i got so scared she was banging on it like a crazy woman i opened the door very surprised and obviously i'm high at this point she goes and tells me what's that smell She's complaining about her breathing <laughs> oh problems. I told her incense and she lost her mind. The moment I said incense, she <laughs> lost it. She started walking in circles, clapping her hands. At one point she did a squat. She literally squatted down on the floor. I was like, I'm not equipped to handle this. I'm way too high and not in my right mind to not start fighting for my life with a trained fighter. Like, she got into some fight. But my thing is, had she spoken to you about the kettle before? Had she spoken to you about the kettle before? Hello. I'm sorry, your line's breaking up. But I think this is a <laughs> the next topic and also by saying incense you're lying to her you're making her seem stupid you're making her you're dead ass you're like i don't recognize you about to attack me she was literally about to attack yeah i was just sharing my experience with you guys (laughs) can i can i just add that um i 
was going to say, I kind of disagree with you as well and then agree with PK, where I feel like when it's with a black person, it just hits so much harder than when it's with a white person. Because, like, I can think of instances where, like, a black person, a black girl was just, like, like not jealous but like wanting what I had and then she achieved it I remember just being like you're like you could have gone a whole different way of doing this but then I've seen also white girls do that exactly to me and I kind of just brush it off because it's like I expect that from you like I have everything that you want and you just don't have it so I expect you to just take it but with black girls I'm like you have your own thing like you don't need to take mine like don't don't do that don't do it don't be like that (laughs) so yeah I agree with that So the last one, oh my god, PK. Never have I ever. Okay, well this is just to do with sharing. Never have I ever um had a threesome. Oh. Okay. Is that hectic, guys? <laughs> no. Raise our hand. Tell us more. Firstly, and was it with another boy or another girl? It was with a boy and a girl. Yeah. Okay. And prompted it. Would you do it? What say that again? What prompted you wanting to have a threesome and would you do it again? I would do it again. What prompted it was I was dating this guy when I was like 18 and he was older than me and we were just like hanging out with friends and the next thing we know we like were down two bottles of rum and then I was like, Oh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she was the one who was like, actually, this is the perfect time. Literally, just as I was about to say it, I was like, oh, God, that's so embarrassing. But I'll say it. Basically, yes, I was the one who initiated because I basically was like, well, I've never eaten pussy before. Does anyone want to show me? (laughs) (laughs) And that's what really prompted it. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sweating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is a trusting circle. (laughs) (laughs) Just us and the rest (laughs) of the internet. (laughs) (laughs) So, our last topic for this very (laughs) fun was this Lana gosh okay Lana Del Rey post she had a question for the culture which is hilarious (laughs) to me because Lana should not be posing questions to the culture especially a culture she's not even a part okay but whatever let's not get into that so Lana Del Rey posted an Instagram um post where she had a question for the culture and essentially she was saying that she was fed up with female writers and alternative singers saying that she glamorizes abuse when in reality, 
she says that she's just a glamorous person, which she actually has the audacity to say. How do you say that it's because you're a glamorous person? <laughs> That's why when you talk about abuse, it seems like you're glamorizing. <laughs> <laughs> That's some me logic. Like that's something I would say. So it kind of brought me a little bit closer to Lana. But let me finish it off. So she was reading after listing some names of several artists, mostly predominantly women of color. She mentioned Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, Doja Cat, um, Ariana Grande, who have all had number one songs about being sexy. And she wondered why she had instead been accused of glamorizing abuse. And she says that in place of feminism, she says that she's looking for feminism for people that look like her. And the internet assumed that it was um, people that look like her as in white females, but she was referring to more like fragile females. And um, yeah, like more delicate females. Do you... Like, did you guys read it? Would you I, agree, I read it, disagree? but maybe could, I don't know if someone could elaborate on on it. So, in in her, I barely listen to her music. Glamorize mm -hmm. um, abuse. Like, I need more um, context because I don't really, I don't know her. I barely rate her. So I was like, <laughs> I don't. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm a Lana uh, fan, and I've listened to all of her albums, and essentially, she'll talk about like she'll talk about toxic relationships but she's not doing it in a way that an amy winehouse will talk about it she's not doing it in a structured and thought out way that like maybe beyonce did mm -hmm. on lemonade like he's just vapidly surface level talking about these complicated topics and it's like you're taking your superficial art and comparing it to other people that have real stories behind it. Like, you don't get any context from Lana's lines. It's just these weeping, beautiful statements that it's, it just gives you an atmospheric vibe, but it doesn't have substance to it. So it seems as though she's glamorizing it, but it really is just talking about abuse in like a very superficial way. I think a lot of, um, dare I say, white women talk like this. And I think that they talk in a very glamorized way and um, she needs to talk to them. Do you know what I mean? And she needs to make sure that when she refers to women, she starts not referencing Beyonce and all of those. She references women of her kind. Do you know what I mean? And I think that um, that's, what, that's where a lot of um, women go wrong specifically white women that they too speaks that like Mbali is even saying we're talking about this and she was even saying that no it's because black people are more loud about what they stand for you know what I mean so therefore they want to hold on to that as to justify a specific statement that they're saying but I think that in terms of the white community specifically white women they need to start generating or having their own voices in relationship to anything you know what I mean and I think that I don't, I don't hear a lot of white women talking about feminism I, don't hear a lot of I think that's where the problem is that you've got this talk about feminism but it's predominantly driven by a white female perspective mm -hmm. and they keep pushing these narratives of 
like what it what feminism looks like without acknowledging the fact that a black female feminism is different from a white feminism because it comes from different parts like places historically like when yeah females were fighting for the right to vote <laughs> black females were kind of just fighting for the right to be seen mm. as equals like so there's a difference in where we are with this whole conversation so i don't yeah. think yeah. No, I was just saying that she mustn't she mustn't involve black people in the mm. conversation, if that makes sense. She mustn't in, in conversation. She must bring her white people into <laughs> yeah i mean i just think just considering like what what people what you got well lou for example you said that she's like she speaks about things very superficially so i don't even know if i'd like want to listen to an artist like that or be bothered so maybe that's why i don't know her, her music to begin with i mean whatever she's got her crowd of people who listen to her and like props to them but it's just like i i yeah. I, I can't relate and also just with what ru is saying is then if she wanted to like compare and contrast she should have just spoken about people who are in her like in her field and in that similar like in a similar space as hers what does other black women and their stories or whatever have to do with her own like femininity like we don't care like if you want to talk about your feminine talk about it but don't now bring other people who are in a completely different lane in a completely different culture and try and like then you know see how to connect or throw yourself into that because honey you know buddy i'm not thinking not about it. you <laughs> and like Lana, hey oh, okay so i was just gonna say that lana del rey is coming from an alternative music genre it's going to be more folky and she's comparing herself to people that are in hip-hop are in pop are in R&B and I feel as though the rules for those genres are heavily hinged on the fact that like you go against what society is saying because that's inherent in black culture like people say your blackness isn't okay so guess what created hip hop where you embrace aspects of black culture that have been de demonized by white mm -hmm. media and it's like you've got Lana Del Rey that doesn't belong in the space doesn't make music for those people wanting to be held to the same standard that her and like like her and her conservative genre are a part of like you're, you're trying to use a different genre standard to justify the, your feelings and the way that you are in an artist as like an alternative artist that doesn't make sense or no i hear what you're saying but i'm just like ugh. That's how I feel about it. Like I, I can't talk more about about her. So, yeah. I feel like everyone deserves a table, and I think that regardless of how um, frivolous or whatever, if she wants to create a table to speak about um, serious topics on a very shallow level, there's people like that, mm. like we've been saying, who can ascribe to that kind of narrative, and we mustn't take that away from her. The issue comes with her piggybacking or for people who are better equipped to express themselves and who also have a different mm. narrative in general. So, like, do her. And wants to call herself glamorous and glamorize it, <laughs> it's fine, but she's going to offend people like the beehive. She's going to offend people like, um, uh, yeah, 
in general if she's going to bring in those types of people and try and make mm. it the same thing yeah so i just think that people in general need to be careful about that are more mindful about who they target marketers and they and and themselves be a little bit more self-aware i mean she wasn't she didn't even believe herself when she said that statement about bringing in all those backers back what she said it shows that she didn't believe it because then these people pick and choose when they want to go alternative when they want to go thingy she yeah. must she must stick to i don't choose when i want to be white i don't have that choice she mustn't think that she mustn't think that she can dip and die you know because like i think another thing that goes to her like lack of self-awareness is she compared so she has a video of her and like a stripper outfit like holding a pole and walking around it like nothing spectacular and she wanted to compare herself to fka <laughs> you know fka <laughs> you see that? No, you see that? <laughs> what that whole music video of athleticism she said when fka twins did that music video it was celebrated but when she did her <laughs> version of like a washed up stripper she was deemed a <laughs> slut and whatnot <laughs> like sis, do you know what FKA Twigs was doing on that pole? You never athleticism, the art that went into it. I'm just gonna go look for this video afterwards because I, I cannot believe she had the <laughs> audacity, <laughs> the audacity, comparing herself to someone who moves like FKA Twigs does. Who moves? Whatever she's doing, if it's movement. Her versus Lana Del Rey, I can guarantee whatever she's doing, <laughs> her she's going to wash her. So come on. <laughs> Lana didn't like it. She said, if you guys accept FKA twins, you must accept me. See, <laughs> see I, I, I don't listen to Lana Del Rey either. I don't like her for some reason. I never did, and I never knew why. But now I'm realizing in this conversation why. Yeah. Because she's, like, just an appropriator. She's just a typical appropriator. Because when I think about her, all I think about her, all I think of is pictures of her from, like, 10, 15 years ago in just, like, a plain white T-shirt and jeans and being this simple-ass white girl who's dating ASAP Rocky. Like, picking and choosing when she wants to be part of the culture. And it's just, like, I can't... I can't, I, can't I never knew up. all of this about, yeah, I, I never knew all this about Lana Del Rey, but now that I'm hearing all this, it's like, yeah, this is why I didn't like her. I didn't know why I didn't like her, but this I, now I understand why, because she's a typical appropriator that I just, I don't have time for. I wonder, I like her, guys. I do like her music. I do like, I do her, like her music, too. I think I'll I admit. only remember one song. <laughs> I don't even know what it's called. The one yeah, that was really popular, listen. and then that was, that was it. <laughs> But I know what it is. Like, I'm not going to think that this person yeah. is a yeah, poet. I'm yeah. not going to. I don't think about Lana lyrics. It's mm, very true. passive. Because you can appreciate people, but, like, you also know, like, where they're at. And that's fine. But now don't fight us to now receive you or be receptive to you in the way that you are choosing. You. Yeah, like, yeah. What? Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, plain and simple. Oh, my God. <laughs> well guys look at us another episode underneath our yeah. belt